the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One thing I don't do is I don't talk a lot about the economy. I like to have strategy days. And uh, I think those help probably a little bit more than anything else as far as getting people thinking the right way about how they should be handling money or thinking about money. There's something out there that I call the home ownership gap that it's almost tragic to me. The homeownership gap is a goal shared amongst... Homeownership is a goal shared by, I think, everyone. Kind of. You know, regardless of your race, your race, your ethnicity. You know, one of the main drivers of wealth creation for a majority of people in the United States. It's vital to understand that, you know, the underlying characteristics that influence the probability of homeownership. Uh, marital status and family formation plays a heavy, heavy issue with home ownership. The ethnicity impacts the probability of home ownership. Ethnicity and home ownership rates is a frequent topic of research. So a lot of research reports that come across my desk. Um, <clears throat> you know, I saw one recently called the state of home ownership, home ownership economic mobility and the challenges facing the nation's Latino and African-American communities. And I do feel like we kind of have a have and have not, and I think there's some correlation and some causation. Home ownership is one of the key components of achieving the American dream for a lot of people. I've recently been talking with Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com about, it's funny, um, it's almost like the bigger risk you take in home ownership, the bigger upside you have. Um, a 5% move in a million-dollar home is worth a lot more than a 5% move in a $160,000 home, and yet they both kind of move at 5%. Yeah. Um, and you keep seeing it and, and every year. Well, not every year, but we've been seeing it every year since the, the recovery. 
Uh, even the latest report came out, I think we had about 9.1% year-over-year returns in March, March over March. And a lot of people are looking at that. That's crazy uh, that we're still getting almost double-digit returns. Well, Alameda County got 13.7% year-over-year increases. Try not, um, try not to date the show. So I know you like doing that. We're still seeing these types of, of returns, and they're on big numbers. They're, the median home price in the Bay Area is well over the peak that we saw back in 2007, 2008. Yeah. I'm going to stop saying 2008. It was the, real, the real peak was July of 2007. It's interesting because earning a bachelor's degree significantly improves one's ability to become a homeowner. And a census back in 2015 showed that seven, 15% of Hispanics had a bachelor's degree compared to 22% of African Americans. And that's a big difference of about 7 percentage points. And that education gap between whites and African Americans remains pretty stable. Um, that's about 11, 14% different. Since greater education attainment typically leads to greater income, some of these ethnic differences in educational attainment levels also influence income disparities. And we have a home ownership issue in the United States. We do. And it's, it's spreading out. A lot of people, of course, are saying that the millennials are the next big buying um, uh, wave. Uh, whatever you want to call it. And they're carrying a lot of student debt. Uh, it's very interesting to see that even in the, the young 30s, they're still below 40% ownership rate for uh, millennials. Um, and if you don't go to college and you don't carry any student debt, uh, I mean, the chances are even lower. You're actually below 30%. So going to college still pays off even if you carry the debt, but the homeownership rate is still dropping because of that debt. There's a big shift in debt that we've been seeing from the last peak that we've seen a lot a lot less mortgage debt a lot more student debt student debt has doubled credit card debt has actually dropped and auto loans have gone up so it's a big shift in where people are concentrating their money and but you know, with lower mortgage debt we can kind of correlate that with the low homeownership rate which we're seeing right around 1994 levels it's interesting because at my income levels <clears throat> my property in raleigh i don't care about to it goes me, up 5%. What's that? $2,500? Yeah. So yeah. for me to, like, at some point in time, pay it off and just live, not live off the income, but add that income to my income is, is the only concept I see there. And yet the, the Bay Area real estate, I'm like, ooh, that could still significantly change my life. But less so after it's had a big move. Um, and the Portland office space, um, that's nice. But my income levels now, it's almost like I have to go out and take more risk with real estate if I'm going to get that quote-unquote leverage, or better thing for me to do is just suck that money away in an investment account and not have the illiquidity of real estate. People are t- there, A lot of people who are, want to be in real estate are torn between those three options, really struggling to find uh, the means to buy in the Bay Area, to buy elsewhere, maybe like a rental property in Raleigh like yours, and then eventually have somebody else pay that off but and have a smaller investment into that. Right. Where, you know, a 25% down payment there is less than 5% here. Um, or move and buy a place. And so a lot of people, or put it in the stock market. So there's a lot of options that people who are trying to get into real estate are thinking, and thinking about this as their, their ultimate goal. Uh, and they're finding the Bay Area is pretty tough. Um, but I think people should start exploring these options. We're seeing companies right now following migrants, uh, out of California. California is losing about 100,000 people a year right now, and co- uh, large companies are following these migrants to places like Nevada. Now, a migrant isn't a field worker. N- no, we're talking about out what they call out-migrant. 
Right. So people like me and you saying, you know what? We, we're done with California. We're done with California. Yeah. We want. Sacramento is actually growing. Uh, sure. So people are, are, are going into the valley and saying it's a little bit cheaper here. And, and because of homes, a lot more people are able to stay in, that want to stay in California or be able to work from home are moving farther and farther out or further out. Um, and, um, and or moving to places like Portland, Seattle, Denver, uh, even Utah. Uh, and companies are following. And I think uh, California as a whole is going to start figuring this out, that we're losing billions of dollars in salaries and taxes as these migrants are, are moving out. And, and um, taxes keep going up. And we're going to start seeing more furloughs, I bet. Uh, <laughs> and parks are going to close. Um, it, it's, there's going to be a trickle-down effect if we don't figure out some way to keep people in California. And it's interesting to you, one of the things you bring up there is that some of the people who are staying in California have stayed there their whole lives. And there are people who own real estate at low cost basis yep. and low property taxes. So California is losing the people who, you know, pay thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars a year in property tax to the people who stay here paying six hundred, seven hundred. Um and there is still a population that comes into California. Um <clears throat> But when you see all those people leave, a lot of those are taxpayers. So and it will create a problem for, like you said, parks and some of the things that we find lovely. On the positive side, the Bay Area still is the leading city in the nation, or metro, MSA, metro, Metropolitan Statistical Area, that grows the highest paying jobs on a yearly basis. Okay. So the Bay Area is, uh, you know, even though we're looking at some recent news that $105,000 salary is considered low income in San Mateo County, San Francisco, and Marin County, um, which is crazy to hear. You, know, you live in Richmond, Virginia, or Raleigh, or San Antonio, you hear that. You're like, what? Yeah, it, that's low income. Um, Alameda County is $80,000 household salary. Uh, is considered low income. But we're still drawing the high salaries here, Rob. And maybe there's just a... You know, one class of, of, of employment is replacing the other, and that's reflecting in housing. Little REM, little Michael Stipe, he's telling us all we need to know about the world and investing. I look at this as a roadmap. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. But you know the one, you're the reason I'm still up at dawn. Just to see your face will be going strong. With the vampires, baby, we belong, we belong awake. Screaming from the fire escape. Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's called a radio show, Chad. You're just like Tony. Slapping the mic. Slapping the mic. Treating it like you're, uh, well, I'm not going to say strippers, but. (laughs) (laughs) You just did, so that's pretty weird. I do not have any strippers, for the record. (laughs) Not right now. Well, Well, you did. Um, anyway, change what? the topic. Change the topic. <laughs> um, How far is the delay on this thing? <laughs> so Good thing it's Friday. We're going over the investing concepts of accumulating wealth, of getting your first million dollars. 
And we hit number one pretty good, which was tied towards budget. Number two on the list. Yeah, know your savings goals and invest in yourself. Okay, savings goals. If you were to ask me, my savings goals are probably have enough money to last from 60 to 100, have enough money to own a home, have enough money to maybe have a vacation home in retirement, have enough money to travel in retirement. Because you started saving when you were in your 20s, yes. actually in your teens, for your, you know, for you and I, I both kind of got into that, um, you, you'll be able to do that. You have a chance to do that. Okay. Um, people these days, especially with, no matter what they deal with, the budget deficits and tax reforms, nobody's still tackling the issues, which is entitlements that need to be reformed. And the only way they're going to be reformed is reduced. For you know, you're, They're not going to kick in until you're older, and the more income you make, the less you're going to get from the government. And so just, just so people know, they can tax the wealthiest people as much as they want, and it's still not going to fund the entitlements. It's not going to come close. It's not going to come close. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a situation that is a – if you're doing – any of our advisors, when they're doing plans for people under 45, we don't count Social Security at all. Okay. Not at all. If it's going to be there, it's going to be also along with higher taxes. So if you start saving 10% of your pay in your 20s, and every time you get a raise, you make it sure you're increasing, you know, you're not, it's just not a flat number. Yeah. It's always 10% of what you're making. Then you can probably retire when you're 65. Um, if you wait until you're 40 to start saving, you have to save 20 to 25% of your pay just to be able to hope to retire mediocre income at age 70. Got it. I mean, in the Bay Area, how many people can afford to set aside 25% of their net? You and I should invest in trailer parks. Yeah, you know, you're right. Stackable trailer parks, too. Because there's going to be a lot of trailer people. Trailer park apartments. Trailer park apartments. Super glued together. That sounds like a new show on Fox this year. So. I might have just gave Fox their, their, their comeback show. They've lost everyone. What would be great about it would be like you'd have this really hot 20-year-old girl who's like, Chad! Chad! <laughs> I've got all my teeth. <laughs> Check them out. My boyfriend stole all my money in a jar. <laughs> Why do you have money in a jar? Well, we don't have a bank. <laughs> Trailer Park Apartments. It's kind of like Beverly Hills 90210. Get Heather Locklear's daughter in it kind of thing. That'd be, that'd be hot. Yeah. yeah. It's all us hanging out by the trailer park pool. But anyway, okay, I'm totally aggressive. Um, and you know what happens to people when they start when they save really really late? Tell me. They start looking for something that's going to catch them up. Right. So they end up following the crowd into real estate at the last minute. They end up investing towards the for the first time at the top of the market at the top before one of the big downturns. Yeah. And instead of buying even more at the bottom, they sell everything and they go to cash and then they go to the next thing and that might be oil at the top and then that crashes. And so they keep taking whatever money they have and dwindling it down by chasing the next best thing. Right. Instead of just systematically investing in index funds for your first 250000 Or what I've seen people do is instead of buying Apple, they want the next Apple. Mm-hmm. They, they read on, online about a company that's supplying parts to Apple. Yeah. And they're going to try to ride that because it's $10 stock, OLED, you know, organic LEDs kind of thing. And Next thing you know, Apple cuts them as a supplier and the stock's worth nothing. Yeah. I see a lot of mistakes with people trying to kind of do it right, but do it wrong nonetheless. Yep. And and a lot of times, instead of going to seminars and trying to learn trading strategies and stuff like that, look, you've got to realize the world is changing. And unless there's some sort of an emotional attachment to your job with people, um, you're going to be replaced. Hmm. So invest in yourself, invest in your ability to earn money and adapt to the changing world that we live in. One of the very first girls I ever dated was a woman named Rachel, and she worked at Wendy's. 
And I picked her up one day, and she was in an emotionally fragile state because her manager had made her go into the toilet and like pick up vomit or clean up vomit kind of oh, stuff. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> man, can I tell you some fast food stories about toilets? I could. <laughs> uh, but in this case, she's emotionally fragile. I'm like, I'll hug you. Come here, Rachel. And, like, I was making out with her, and I was getting like getting my game on because she was all damaged. That's right. There's a little puke on your finger. I'll get, lick it off. Um, oh, look, it's mayonnaise. We just lost our last five listeners. There you go. So anyway, yeah. um, what I was bringing that up with is um, those has to be jobs are going away fast. So Wendy's has announced that they're putting in to 2,000 of the restaurant's kiosks because mm. millennials don't want to talk to real people. They want to order through a kiosk. And the kiosks are pretty cool now. They're not like what they used to be. They're pretty uh, easy to use, and you say no mayo, it's no mayo. So, and there's proof that you said it. So, so anyway, um, I think what you're, I was getting at is jobs are going away. Yeah, but I mean, e- even when there's a scenario like if manufacturing comes back from China in a factory here, it's going to be, you know, way less jobs is going to be replaced by automation. Yes. But an entire service industry will, you know, grow up around that automation. So. You don't want to be in something that's competing with Amazon. You want to be ancillary to that. You want to be don't want to be something that's competing with a repetitive task. Um, service industry, you know, even finances, the the lower end finance, financial planning is all being automated. I'm with you. So you know, invest in yourself. Don't don't even worry about the next stock or anything else. Is once you get your emergency reserve set up, you're maxing out your 401k uh, for the max. Then think about okay, how can I maximize my income? You know, Rick Elliman just came out with a book recently, and one of the tenets inside of it is college isn't important anymore. That mm-hmm. continuing education is going to be much more important. I don't think he was saying don't go to a four-year school, but it kind of looked like the headline said don't go to a four-year school. I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that I know, I mean, the, the whole point of the college experience is, yeah. is the networking, really. Okay. It's it's not necessarily the learning that you do. I think I, these kids are almost overstimulated in, in ADD on terms of processing information. Okay. A friend of mine joined a frat back in college, and I was like, you're paying for friends? And then what I watched him do afterwards was he'd come to San Francisco. He had a friend that he could stay with, go to L.A. He had a friend he could stay with. Need a job, you can check with his friend in San Francisco. Need a job, you can check with his friend in L.A. And uh, fraternities are just basically glorified social networks, right? It's your intro to LinkedIn 101 with a lot more beer. So you can find CFP Chad Burton and women. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Good. I'm glad that's all you're going to say. Let's just end it there. Evan Evan Spiegel at Stanford was in a fraternity. And Snapchat was basically, let's talk about women and send each other pictures about them kind of thing. Um, and now it's one of the hottest IPOs. So there's nothing wrong with being in a frat and focusing on women. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com.
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I know you have options. If you're one of those people that listens to Sarah and Vinny, you are a loser. I don't want you. Go away. Um, what is the matter with you? She's five foot one and a chain smoker. Who chain smokes in California? Something must be wrong with you. And he is one of those guys who thinks radio is a cool job and can try to get chicks that way. Is you blind? <laughs> I know. I've seen him. You have to be blind like him. Um, but I don't think this is cool. To me, this is therapy. So I like helping people. Um, it's a flaw that I have. As a child, my father was a pretty hardcore alcoholic, um, and I wanted to please him. I wanted to make him happy. So my whole life, I've had this issue of wanting to please people and make them happy. Um, and that's kind of what this radio show is kind of all about. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's talk about arms. Or do we want to talk about babies? Or baby arms? Baby arms. As long as a baby's arm with an apple at the end. <laughs> I love Scotch. I love Scotch. Scotch is Scotch, Scotch. Can you just have a whole Here's segment of, of sound effects? Oh, it could be done. So, the reason I bring up babies is I think they are tied towards um, cost of home. When people get home, they move out of the apartment, they're, they're suddenly like, I'm an adult now. And they have a little bit more sexy time. Uh, business time, as I like to call it. And uh, they make a baby. Do you remember uh, Chef from South Park? He was my favorite. I think it was Isaac Hayes, right? I, and he quit. Yep. He they killed him off. He didn't like the direction the show was going in, which is unfortunate. Anyway, um... So if you're going to buy a home, keep in mind that there's going to be some more expenses like I've already talked about. But there also may be things like babies. There may be some unexpected expenses that come down, come with that home. So um, And then suddenly you need a bigger home. So I've talked enough about baby arms with apples at the end. Um, let's talk a little bit about arms. Adjustable rate mortgages. That's one of those terms that it's kind of cool. An adjust arm. And I kind of like ARMS, and I I wish I would have used ARMS for every loan that I've gotten, except for this one. They've performed pretty well recently. Uh, if you would have got a seven-year ARM, for example, in 2007, it would have adjusted in 2014 to a lower rate. Here's the problem with ARMS is uh, you kind of get addicted to them because they do always have a lower rate of, yeah. than the 30-year fixed. And you you save money, theoretically, but... Maybe in the first round, you save some money and you go, oh, I'm going to pocket some extra money. Maybe the second round you do it, you're like, oh, you get kind of get used to the payment and then you spend more money. In fact, there was a, st- uh, a report that just came out that on average, the people who get arms actually end up spending more than the people who don't get arms by about 4%. So they're actually spending the savings that they're making instead of doing what they originally were maybe sold on the product. And that is keep some money on the side in case you have to refinance after it starts adjusting. But I think why we're seeing these reports because rates are so low. The indexes that these the, the when you become adjustable that they're tied to are so low right now that the, the they're still lower in the in the thirty year fixed after they adjust. So it it's it's a 
the, the general rule of thumb is to get the 30-year fixed when the rates are low uh-huh. and an arm when rates are higher. Okay. Okay. Um, that's why we're seeing very, very low arm rates. I'm sorry, low arm usage right now, especially for first-time yeah. home buyers or any home buyers for that matter. In the Bay Area, it, it was as high as 63% or something like that in 2005, 6, and 7. It's down below 5% today. And keep so, in mind, I just said that I wish every mortgage I had gotten had an arm. Because ultimately, yeah. I've gotten out of every single mortgage in under seven years. Yeah, Either and, I got a new one or I sold the property or something. And that's the whole philosophy behind using an, an arm is that if you have a time frame in which you know you're going to be in that house or you can at least work around that time frame of the, the fixed period of that arm, you're saving money. If you're saving money. But if, like you unless said, you're one of these, you know, this, the statistics here where you're spending more money because you're saving more money. It's kind of. Or you're investing more money. It's, it's very similar to how people pay, take money out of their house to pay off credit card debt or car debt, and then they run it right back up. And they get right back in the situation, and it's called serial refinancing. That's not what arms are. Arms are more like a necessity to get out of it if rates are higher. But in this low-rate environment, why would you get a 30-year fixed at 4% when you can get an arm at maybe possibly 1% lower? And that's what the and when you go to to the jumbo loans where you see those huge mortgages and the payment can be a six seven hundred dollars difference. Remember um, the rabbit from Tricks? Yes. The kids wouldn't let the rabbit have cereal. That's that'd be pretty uncool in this day and age. That that advertising couldn't go through because you're basically bullying a rabbit and not letting it eat. And Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch died. Uh, they found him with a knife in his back. The Tricks rabbit dead. Head cut off. They found the killers. It was a serial killer. You've been holding out on that one for way too long, I can tell. Something like that. So back to arms. No, that conversation was not putting me to sleep. <laughs> okay, maybe it was a little bit. Just a little bit. Just You a brought it bit. up. Well, I know. So. Well, I think the story is, is that you, you get in the habit of saving money by having a lower payment with the arm, but you actually don't because you get too comfortable with that payment. And same thing with kids. So, Remember how we talked about how when you have a kid, when you have a house, you suddenly want to have a kid kind of thing. You kind of get in that nesting thing. But with a kid, you know, the biggest thing that I, I see that kills people financially is they splurge. They say, my kid deserves his own jumpy house. And suddenly $600 later, you have a jumpy house that you could probably rent in San Francisco for a thousand dollars a month to bring your own electrical cord kind of thing. Um, but it's crazy how much, like, do you have a jumpy house by any chance? <laughs> um, yeah. So I always wanted to have business time in a jumpy house. I always thought that'd be entertaining. And let's just say, I said to my honey, I said, honey, let's go to the jumpy house. And she said, no. So splurging can be a lot of fun, but kids can be expensive because you splurge on them, right? Oh, yeah. It's pretty easy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, so one thing that I also learned about kids is that our financial decisions affect them. So if you go to restaurants a lot, they're going to go to restaurants a lot. So and they're going to get fat. So and who wants a fat kid? I do. I do. As long as I can put them in an oven and eat them. Maybe they're delicious. Say what? <laughs> Baby, the other white meat. Get in my belly. <laughs> You're insane. Yes. Okay, so we're going to do Facebook Live, you and I, in about 30 minutes. And I think we're going to make an ask, ask, we're going to ask the expert. 
um, because I can't say the word ask correctly. So we're going to ask the expert on Wednesdays coming down the road. So we've yeah. got more Facebook Live coming down the road. Um, so student loan rates. Uh, how are student loan? How is student loan debt? How, how much student loan debt are you seeing? Because we hear about it in the news. Uh, on average, we're seeing, you know, one out of ten people coming in with a lot of over a hundred thousand dollars in debt on student loan debt. Wow. Um, uh, but those usually those borrowers have pretty decent incomes that will cover those low payments. They're, they're they're really not a high payment. It's not like in a hundred thousand dollar car where your payment's ten thousand. Uh, 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 $1,200 a month, but it's it's much lower than that. So, and, we, and we're also seeing people with student loans that don't have a lot of other debt. So, and they're carrying that student loan as their only debt. So that's the way I would do it. I would play the game of getting that student loan, getting that good job, and then carrying very little debt on the side. That way, it's kind of like that car payment, but you have a free and clear car. So you just can't have it all unless you're making a tremendous amount of money. And and those all do factor into your debt ratio, so no mistake about that. It is a concern that we see. Um, first-time home buyers are looking at uh, median home price in the Bay Area is at the highest it's ever been. Um, go to San Mateo County, you're looking at a $1.2 million median, uh, median home price, and that's scary. 20% down, 240000 and your mortgage payment is, what, five $6,000. Including taxes and insurance. And you know, in order to qualify for that, you need to use the dual incomes. You have to have already saved the money. And then on top of that, you have some student loan debt. So it's, it is intimidating. Um, that's one of the reasons why you're seeing places like the East Base, uh, Contra Costa, and Alameda Counties, and, and Solanos, and the Sonomas, and so on, going um, double digits right now because those are the more affordable houses. There's places up in... in um, El Cerrito and, and in Richmond right now, and El Sobrante that are in the 600s, and you can't even, there's 20, 30 people every day coming through these open houses just and offering 10, 15, 20% over asking price because that same house in San Mateo is $1.2 million, it's 600, 700,000 and places like that, and it, it it's... It's still a lot of money for first-time home buyers, uh, but you have to go through that list that you just went through: the emergency funds, the credit scores, the yeah. you know the anticipation of of extra expenses with the house, and then the commute and the baby and so on. You, you want to hear? You want to hear a sad, sad admission from me? I recently tried to get a credit card because it was one of those travel. It was a travel card that I wanted to get the points for. So I canceled a card that I was no longer using. I got a new card, and then I decided I didn't want it. So I never opened it up, but guess whose credit got hit? Yours. 15, 20 points. Yep. So it'll be okay. It'll be okay. That'd be the first thing to do is start working on credit. Yeah. Get Credit Karma. Just be involved. Absolutely. Credit Karma gives you some good tips for how to improve your credit. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can tell I've done many loans with him. Many, many, many loans. He's the only person in the mortgage industry I personally trust and endorse. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. And you can find me at Rob Black Show. And don't forget, if there's an event coming up, use code RADIO25 to get an event free.
Bob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So I like to study a little bit of history. I think it's really important to know that as a kid, I was all about, you know, Radio Shack catalogs that would come in the mail. And I would study them and see what the new computer parts and devices that were out there. I want to say that they sold radar detectors in their catalogs, but they weren't for sale in my state because they were illegal. And uh, I was always fascinated by that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all, but they're gone. So when you see what killed them, you know, it was kind of like a Dell situation where you could start buying computers online. Um and I, I, I respect that. So I like seeing how things change. And business models are constantly evolving. And sometimes we don't notice it because it moves very slowly. Um, I don't think retail's dead. I think mediocre retail experiences are dead. So you're starting to see some digitally native brands and they're going offline. Like Warby Parker, you could schedule your eye exams and buy glasses at the same time. Uh, Bonobos guides shops. Uh, you try on the clothes in store, and they'll ship them to you in your homes. They don't have a lot of inventory in the store, so they're willing to ship it from their factory to you. I like this. Uh, world's large, largest offline retailer is a company called Re- is a company called Walmart. And they're getting aggressive about going online. 90% of Americans live within 10 miles of Walmart. Walmart e-commerce revenue year over year is growing quite nicely now. So they've got some organic plus inorganic growth, so to speak. They've bought companies like ShoeBuy, JD.com, MooseJaw, ModCloth. Uh, You can see there's just this fight for retail. Amazon's becoming a leading private label supplier of baby wipes and batteries in the United States. I work at a television station, Cron, and uh, baby wipes, Amazon's number three behind Huggies and Pampers, which is kind of surprising to me because uh, you got Kirkland, i.e. Costco in there, and Amazon's the largest battery supplier in the United States now. No one likes to shop for batteries. You get to the store and you're like, which one was it? Was it double A's? Was it the big C's, the small B's? (laughs) Sounds like I'm talking about something else, huh? Big C's, small B's. Uh, But Amazon's number one over Duracell, Panasonic, and Energizer as far as battery sales go. So now you get a new type of storage, a new type of store out there. And, you know, it's, it's subscriptions. So you can get professional services like LegalZoom. You can get the Princeton Review, which is homework help. Which, again, it's a new type of store. Um, 
cloud storage is considered that. Um, you know, what is it? Apple charges 99 cents a month for 50 gigs of storage. Um, it's not free. Great product, great products find customers, and customers find great products. That's always been kind of a truth out there. So things are in the world of advertising and marketing. Digitally speaking, ad growth is being driven by mobile. Ad measurability, it can be kind of a a triple-edged sword because when ad campaigns fail, we now know, and when ad campaigns hit, that gives a company like a Facebook says, well, we did great for you, so we're going to charge you more this time. Um, So there's a lot of aha moments when you start analyzing marketing and you start analyzing uh, what's going on is in the world of tech. So, a lot of inspiration, in my opinion. Interactive gaming on a global level, it's becoming mainstream, and it's evolving rapidly. In 1995, there was 100 million video gamers. Now, today, there's 2.6 billion gamers. And if you don't think you can make money learning this, and investing in it. Go take a look at shares of Activision, Electronic Arts, Take-Two, Interactive, um, and you'll see. And the way video games have evolved is you probably remember you know, playing something in your living room, like Pong. And now, 45 years later, you can go into a 18,000-seat arena, and thousands of people are playing online with each other at the same time. Movie theaters can be rented out so you can play online against other company, other people. So at one point in time, it was one player went to the arcade. And then we got consoles that we brought home, and they had two joysticks so we could kind of play with each other. Then we got local area networks where we were able to you know, get all of our friends in the same room. Then we got online where millions of people could play at the same time. And now we're adding spectators, and we've created something called eSports. And that's all over the last 45 years. Generation X is known for Pac-Man and Mario Brothers and John Madden football. Millennials know Clash of Clans and Minecraft, League of Legends, uh, Warcraft, Candy Crush, Pokemon Go. It's all evolving. Try to keep your eye on what's happening, and you can make a lot of money. You can beat the market. You just got to pay attention. You're listening to Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.